Praise the Lord. We're beginning a new series today. We talked about last week. We'll be uh, taking on some new things. We're going to be over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 27, to start with. If you want to turn there, or if you want to look up on the screen, whichever is workable for you. There's a story that is told of President Reagan. One time when he was a teenager, he needed a new pair of boots. But in those days, you didn't just walk into a store and buy them. You went to a shoemaker, you went to a cobbler, and you uh, had them make you a pair of shoes. And so the cobbler asked him, he says, well, do you want blunt end toes or pointed end toes? And he really wasn't prepared to make that decision. Wasn't quite sure which ones he wanted. And so he says, I don't know. I guess I don't really care. So he, he went off, and a little while later, the shoes were done, and he came back to pick them up. And as he picked them up, he looked at them, and one shoe had a blunt end toe, and the other one had a pointed end toe. And he said, what's this? And I like what the, the person said. He says, you said you didn't care. And uh, President Ronald Reagan said, if you don't make a decision about the things that matter the most to you, somebody else is going to make them for you. We've got to make a decision about some things. In life, there are all kinds of things that we have to decide about. And a lot of times we just do what feels right, what we think we ought to do at the time. We're not really being led by the Spirit of God. We entitled this series, Learn to Discern. We need to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. The problem with most people is that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but we don't always know it's His voice. How often have you said to yourself, well, I think the Spirit of God is telling me this, but I'm not sure. If you were sure, you would do it, right? (laughs) But we're not sure. It's because we're not sure that we either don't decide to do anything or we're very tentative about the direction that we go and we end up Not getting quite what we wanted. It's important that we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand this is the Holy Spirit speaking and we need to do what He says. Many of us, when we'll look into the Word of God, we're going to find some people in the Word of God who sometimes heard from the voice of God, sometimes they didn't. It's not a thing where we just all of a sudden get to a place where we're hearing from the voice of the Spirit and we know it. There's always a challenge. There's always a challenge. But you're up to it. The Holy Spirit has equipped you. He's made you ready. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Brother Hagin used to teach us, when we were down there at school, he says, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. You are a spirit. You are a spirit being. You are, right now, an eternal being. Whether you are born again or whether you are not, every single person on this earth is a spirit being is an eternal being. 
Every single person on this earth, born again or not, will live forever. That's not unique to Christians. Every single one will. The only question is how will you spend eternity? But you are a living spirit. Your spirit has a soul or it has a mind. You have a mind. Your mind is not your brain. When your body ceases to function and your brain is left behind, your mind, your, your soul will continue on. You will still think things. It's your body that will stop. But then we will be given a newborn body, a new created body. Now, we believe going into heaven, that body that body's a good body. It's going to look like what you, what you have right now. But if, for those who are condemned to hell, they will apparently still have some kind of a body that suffers. God doesn't want us to suffer. So he gave us the way out, which is through Jesus Christ. The way of the world is through religion. That you just try and be good enough, try and live right. The way of God is to accept what Jesus has done. That's his way. That way we can make sure that it's done. But here in this one, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The way that you are, your way is lit is by a lamp. The lamp of your spirit. If you don't let this light shine in your way, you will go through life blind. You will go through life in darkness. It's like getting up in the middle of the night and you don't have a flashlight. Or anymore. How many of y'all know our cell phones can be a, a flashlight? You know, flip on that screen, it can give you just enough light to get around. If you've got a smartphone, you can actually download an app that turns it into a flashlight and get you around to where you need to go. Because light helps. You don't stumble on things. If you have light, you don't fall as often. You can see what the obstacles are. You can see what the stumbling blocks are. You are a spirit being. In John chapter 16, verse 13, I'm reading this from the New Century Version, so I put it in your outline so that you could see this. But when the Spirit of truth comes... He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak of his own words, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. So look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he is called the Spirit of truth. The number one job, the number one ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth. Number one. Go through the Word of God and you look. That's the number one thing he is said to be. He is the revealer of truth. That's what we need to get from him. The spirit of truth comes. He will lead you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. I heard we were listening to um, Brother Keith Moore teaching this week. And uh, I was going to write this down and put it in your outline for you. And I neglected to do that, but there wasn't room anyway. But I can, I can pretty much tell you what it was. He was saying, talking about faith. How do, we all, how do we know that faith comes? Faith comes by Hearing, hearing, hearing the word. It's the truth of the word that builds his faith. Well, his comment was, and it was a good one. He says, in the same way, unbelief comes. In the same way, unbelief comes. When you hear what is false, unbelief comes. If you, if you believe what you hear and what you hear is false, that's how you get unbelief. That's how you get doubt to come in. That's how we can operate in that. Faith 
comes by hearing the truth and believing the truth, doing something with it. Unbelief comes by hearing what is false, what is not truth, believing it and acting on it. So I thought that was good. It comes both ways. Sometimes you don't always think about that. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will lead you. Lead you. There is a way for you to come to the truth that you need to know. He will lead you in the way. One thing at a time. He begins to reveal. One thing at a time. Until we take that step, until we hear that truth, until we believe that truth, we aren't ready for the next one. We've got to take that truth that he leads us in, believe it, do something with it, and then we're ready for the next one. And then we take that truth, believe that truth, do that truth, and then we're ready for the next one. And we just keep going on that way. But if we stop the process, and either I believe that to be truth, but I'm not going to do anything about it, then we, we aren't led anymore. And he's waiting for us to take the next step. But I don't, want, I don't like that step. I don't want to go there. Well, who's leading? Holy Spirit's leading. See, sometimes we want to lead ourselves. Don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You don't know what you need next. He does. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak His own words, but He will speak only what He hears. And I love this part. And He will tell you what is to come. How many of you, your life would be better if you knew what was to come before it happened. Wouldn't that be better? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to do that for you. He is going to tell you what is to come before it happens. That will help you. But you've got to follow His leading. When He gives us something, we need to, we need to listen to it. We just told that story not too long ago, but I'll tell it again for this one. Remember the, the story that was uh, told of the man, Christian man, Got a dream the night before when he was up there on the rig and a cable broke. And that cable came flying around and chopped his head off. And the next day, just like it was in the dream, there was a situation. They needed somebody to climb up on the rig and take the thing off. And he was, he volunteered, or he was asked to do it, so he was going up there to do it. And just then he remembered the dream. And he came back over to the foreman and he says, I can't do it. I had this dream last night. And this is what I saw. I can't go. He has to obey what the Spirit of God said to do. And so another Christian man, born again, stood up and said, Well, I'm not superstitious. I'll do it. Climbed up on the rig. And just like he saw in the dream, the cable snapped, came around, chopped his head right off. He died. Well, did God not love him as much as he did the other man? No, he, he didn't get the revelation himself, but he could have acted on it. Well, that's just for fear. No, that was for preservation. That was for, that was for help. God leads you into places you should go. If you go in a place that the Spirit of God told you not to get into, you can't necessarily sit there and quote the promises of how God's going to protect you. Because God desires obedience. We need to obey. He will tell you what is to come. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you in all truth. will lead you in all truth. 
and he will tell you what is to come. One more verse, First uh, John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Just because you pick something up in the spirit realm does not mean it's from God. Just because you hear something in your spirit doesn't mean it came from God. Just because you read in the Bible and something came to your understanding does not mean it's from God. The Word of God tells you, test the spirits. There's more than one out there. There's the Holy Spirit, but there's also false spirits. And they're plural. There's a lot of them. Now, I put this little uh, diagram in there for you. We'll refer back to this a number of times. That we hear from three different directions. Now, if you want to write this in on it, I could have done this for you, but it would have taken more time than I was uh, prepared to give for it. But right in the center of that triangle, if you want to put you, me, or however you want to, that's, that's you. You are a spirit man, spirit person. You have a spirit. You are a, or you, you are a spirit. You have a soul. Right at the top of that triangle, write the word God. God desires to influence you, lead you, direct you, talk to you, speak to you. On the left-hand side, I put in mind others. How many of you know other people have an opinion about what you should do? You've all run into that, haven't you? People always want to tell you what you should do. Well, if I was you, I wouldn't do that. If I was you, I wouldn't go that direction. If I was you, well, you aren't. Aren't me? What is God leading you to do? Whatever God leads you to do, understand that others may not understand it. Plus, they don't have the revelation that you got. They're probably not going to support you. You need to find out what it is that you, that you ought to do. Hear from the Spirit of God. There's a role for other people in our lives, but just understand there's also a negative role they can have. So that's the one we put on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, I put my mind. Your mind, your soul, wants to influence you in the direction that you would go. Ultimately, it should be your spirit that decides. I'm sure no one here fits this description, but how many of you know people that their spirit doesn't make the final decision? It's their mind. Their emotions. If they feel a certain way, they say a thing. They do a thing. Because that's how I'm feeling today. Tomorrow I'll feel differently. But right now, this is how it is. Now at the bottom, underneath all this, I put Satan's kingdom. Because Satan's kingdom desires to influence you, alter your decisions, alter the direction that you would go. Satan's kingdom, and if you want to write this in on your outline, you can do this. You can draw an arrow from Satan's kingdom to other people. Because Satan will influence others to say things, to do things, to push you in a wrong direction. Satan can use other people this way. We'll see some places in Scripture where this is done. You can draw an arrow from Satan's kingdom to my mind. Because Satan desires to sow thoughts into your head. Fears, concerns, worries. Right into you. These influence your mind... And your mind can then influence your spirit. Now, you can also draw an arrow down from God to my mind because God desires to renew your mind according to the Word of God. Isn't that what He wants? We'll look at a scripture on that in just a little bit, but 
He desires to influence your mind. He wants to take your mind, as Romans tells us, and renew it. Renew your mind according to the Word. That's what He wants to do. That's His desire. Your spirit was reborn. The old one died. You got a new one. You don't got to renew that. But your mind that you got, the soul, was the same one you had before. That needs to be renewed. You can also draw an arrow from God down to others because God sometimes will influence others to speak to you on your behalf. Through the gift of prophecy, sometimes people have had a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And they speak this to you and it comes from God. It can also come from a bad source, but it can come from a good source. Satan's only going to duplicate, copy what works. So God will speak to others to share a scripture with you, be encouraging to you, say some things to you, help you out on some, some things. So God will influence these others as they also influence you. But in the end, you need to decide what to do. You need to figure out what is it that I want to do, what is it that I should do. Now this is in your outline. God sends his influence. This is the influence from God to your mind. Three ways. First off, his word. When you sit down, you read His Word. You should be reading His Word. Hopefully, you're reading, going through the Bible with uh, us on as we go through just a chapter a day. Go through with that. God says His influence by His Word. His Word comes to you. That's, a, that's the way that God influences you. Second is His Spirit. His Spirit speaks things. We saw verses about, about that already. And third is His servants. He's going to send His servants, whether they be gifts of ministry whether they be other members of the body of Christ. He's going to send them to help you out. His word, his spirit, and his servants. These are all going to be sent to help you out. He wants, he wants positive influence there. He wants to change the way we think, the way we operate, the way we go. He wants to lead us into a better way. That's what, that's what he wants to do. Put it to you this way. Have you ever gotten lost? Driving around somewhere and you got lost. You don't know. What is the most favorite thing to do? I mean, now we have GPS on our phone. We don't get lost too much anymore. We just hit the button on our phone and, and, uh, and, and we get right on back there. I got a little button on my phone. It's, it, I, I think I call it home. Wherever I am, wherever I am, I hit that button and my GPS goes into action and I don't hit any other screens. It just automatically goes right to navigating from where I am to where I want to go, which is home. Oh, it's a nice little button. Don't got to type in anything. It's a, just one button. Just hit the button and bang right up there on the screen. Directions to get home. Now, uh, be smart about this. If you, have, if you have an iPhone, you can't put this on your thing. But if you have other phones, they can do this. I don't put my home address in there. I put my neighbor's home address in there. <laughs> I heard somebody talk about it one time. They said, you know, cars, they have these GPS things. If somebody steals your car, they have your keys. If they hit home on your GPS in your car, where are they going? To your house. But you're not at right now because they just took your car. And they got the keys to get in your house. So yeah, a little bit of wisdom. Right there. Just other people influenced me that way and, and helped me out. So I put my neighbor's house on there. He'll probably be home. <laughs> He'll take care of that situation right away. Yeah. Took care. Did I ever tell you the, the thing we, my, my one neighbor, we were, we were talking about one time. He says, you know, we don't, neither one of us had a, well, I think he has a gun. I don't have a gun. 
But we thought about this. We thought, what if we got gun racks and we put it in the back of our truck? And they're empty. If you're a robber and you come up and you see a truck and you see a gun rack and you see this empty, where's the gun? It's in the house. What are you going to do? Go somewhere else. I thought, that's a good idea. I haven't done it yet, though. I haven't done it yet. I'm thinking about it. I haven't done it just, just yet. Anyway, Satan's kingdom sends its influence by, and you can put a whole lot of things in on this. I'm just giving you three. These are three of the main things that it does, does but it's not a, at all exclusive to just this three. There's more things that he can do. But here's three of them. You can be thinking about this and putting some other ones in there. First off, Satan sends his influence by fear. He wants you to get afraid of doing something or afraid of not doing something. You'll miss out if you don't do this. He wants you to be motivated by fear. God does not motivate us by fear. If the motivation for the thing is fear, you know it didn't come from God. That's just uh, that's, that's not what it should be. Uh, second one is pressure. Satan sends influence by pressure. Pressure on you, pressure from other people. Peer pressure, they call it. Other people pressuring you. Oh, come on, everyone's doing this. Everyone, just come on. Pressure. Fear, missing something out on something, or fear of not doing something, doing something, whatever it might be. Fear, pressure. Here's the last one I wrote in here. False doctrine. He wants to get you to have some false truth. If he can get you to have some false truth working on the inside, you've got some unbelief going on. If you've got unbelief going on, you'll nullify some of the things of God. So he wants to put these things in. Fear, pressure, false doctrine. Again, it's not ex- exclusive. There's more things that certainly will go on. Other people can begin to bring false doctrine to you. Don't let them. Basically, I summarize it this way. For the fear, pressure, and false doctrine. First off, I can't move. Secondly, I must move. And third, the wrong move. With fear, I can't move. With pressure, I must move. And with false doctrine, I make the wrong move. Because I have the wrong belief. Now, you are led by what you yield to. What do you yield to? What is it that you yield to? Now, when you get through our bodies, we all have certain things we like to yield to. We like uh, some of us uh, yield to pizza. How many have ever yielded to pizza? You know, you weren't, you weren't thinking about pizza, but all of a sudden, pizza commercial popped up on the TV, and you thought, you know what's going to be good for dinner? Pizza. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Mexican. How many have ever been booed by Mexican food? Yeah, I'll just go and have some Mexican food. This will be, this will be good. Or barbecue. Anybody been moved by barbecue? Yeah, we can, we can be moved by these kind of things. We, we, we yield to it, right? There's a desire in our body. How many have ever been moved by salad? A couple of people have been moved by salad. Not that many moved by salad. Interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it appeals to us. It has something that it appeals to. And, it, and it, Now, maybe some of us ought to be moved by salad more. Right? We, we, we maybe even thought, I'm going to be moved by salads more. And then you get in front of a pizza, and it's like, oh, pizza, Mexican, barbecue, and, and no more. We were having all kinds of fun with that up there. I walked over to the salad table. They had a salad table over at the buffet. I walked over there and said to some folks, oh, that's what it looks like. <laughs> at least I knew. Yeah, we have some fun with, with all that. But you, you, you train yourself to yield to, to the thing. 
How many of you have ever been involved in a workout program where you showed up at the gym Monday, Wednesday, and Friday lifting weights or doing one of the programs or one of the th- things they have going on, and you showed up there Monday, you showed up there Wednesday, and you showed up there Friday? And it wasn't easy, but after a while you got into a routine, and then how many of you all know you got out of the routine? Yeah, why did you get out of the routine? You saw the good the thing was doing. It was helping your body. It was, you were feeling better. But then all of a sudden you got out of the routine. Why did you get out? Because you yielded to something different. That's all that it is. You just yielded to something different. What are you yielding to? We're all going to yield to something. But what are we yielding to? There's good leadings and there's bad leadings around us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can be transformed from where you are now to what you want to be. How? Does he say by the renewing of your spirit? Does he say by reading a whole lot of the Word of God? Does he say by praying several hours a day? How does he say to do it? Renew your mind. Renew your mind. That's the key. Your spirit was already reborn. You don't need to renew it. What you've got to do is get the things out of the way that are keeping you from following after your spirit. And your mind is one of those things. We need to renew our mind. We need to get our mind renewed on the Word of God. How do you renew your mind on the Word of God? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's our keys. That's the thing we need to do. And we already know how we renew ourselves on the Word of God. If you want to renew yourself... On to the idea of good, healthy cooking. Do you hang out at McDonald's? No. What do you do? Maybe you turn on a cooking show and and watch some of the, the cooks go out and make some healthy meals. Right? That's maybe one good way to go. Maybe you take a cooking class. And go into the class and 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 and, uh, and do those things and, and then you come on home and you can make that I think that maybe you get a, what is a good cooking magazine? I have no idea what they even are. I'm sure that they're out there. There are some magazines out there that help you. Oh, Corey doesn't know either. He's telling me. He's just not sure. <laughs> there are some things that are out there that can, that can do this. Now, for a period of time in my life when I was really going after racing and all sorts of stuff like that, I got a book. That, well, I got actually a couple books that was just about healthy recipes. Um, we're not talking just these are good. We're talking ultra, ultra healthy. I bought stuff that was green. Flour that was green. Green flour. You ever seen green flour? I had green flour in my, in my cupboard. I actually went out there and bought it. And, and I, had, I bought this stuff called lecithin. I had that in a container. And, and I had these pancakes that came out of there. These pancakes had about 15 ingredients to them involved in all of these kinds of colored 
powders and such things like that. And I mixed them up, and I made these pancakes. And these pancakes, how many have ever had pancakes? You, you know there's no flavor to pancakes. The only flavor you get from pancakes is the butter and the syrup. That's the flavor. These pancakes had flavor. Oh, man, they had flavor. Uh, I mean, maybe some people wouldn't have thought it was good flavor. I thought it was good flavor. I liked them. I actually like eating these pancakes. And, but they were not easy to make up. It took some time to make these up. But after I was eating those things for a while, and I didn't just go out to the store and buy whole wheat bread, because most whole wheat bread is like 10% whole wheat and the rest junk. That's what most, not all, but most of it out there. I brought stuff. I bought whole wheat bread that was real whole wheat bread that when you picked up that loaf, it didn't float away. It was heavy. You picked that up and you were thinking a loaf of bread, it, just, it was heavy. It, and that's the kind of stuff I would use. And the more I would eat these things, whole grain stuff, I, would, you know, I was buying raw milk and all sorts of yogurt in the morning, just all kinds of healthy stuff. The more that I did that, the more that I, I kept continually feeding myself on that, the more I found I couldn't eat the other stuff after a while. I could I mean I it's not that I didn't want to eat it, I could not eat it. Could not eat it. It was like oh, I, I can't I can't I can't take this. It's it's not good. It, because I retrained myself on that. No, I've since retrained myself otherwise. <laughs> but for a while, you know, that's that's what was going on, and we were doing that. Um, but I still like whole wheat breads, real whole wheat breads, a whole lot better than I do. I like heavy bread. I like a bread that's got some weight to it, some substance to it. I still enjoy these kind of things. But you know, there was a, a training process that had gone on. If you go through that training process, you begin to crave the things that your body that are good for your body. But you can retrain it and go back the other way, which we've all done. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you have good success. So take it this way. If you are a car guy, I'm not a car guy. I like driving cars. That's about it. I don't like working on cars. I don't like studying about cars. I don't like reading about cars. I have no car magazines in my house because I just... I don't have pictures of cars. I, I'm, I get in a car, I drive, and that's it. That's the extent of the car for me. But other people, you know, they really like cars. They have pictures of cars in their rooms. They have pictures of cars on their computers. They have pic- and it's not bad to do this. This is just, you know, this give you a way that you can do it. Why do you have the pictures of the cars all over? Why do you have the magazines of the cars? Why are we reading about cars? Why are we working on cars? Why are we talking? We talk to other people. We talk about cars. We talk about the car they have, the car they want, the car they're working on. We talk about all these things. Why? Because we keep continually renewing our mind on things of cars. Same way that you can do that with food and cooking. The same way that you can do that with anything that you want. You continually renew your mind on it. Continually renew your mind on it. You get it in front of you. You put What is it that you want to have in front of you? What is it that you want to do? You put those things in front. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You will keep continually talking it, saying it. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, we don't need a show of hands here, but if, uh, just use your inside hand. 
how often in your course of your life have you spent time doing just this? That everything that came out of your mouth was the Word of God. That you kept muttering the Word of God to yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ. You just keep going over. Just keep going over. Scripture after Scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You just keep going over. Going over. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be. You just keep going over and over and over. Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Why do you do that? Well, you meditated on the inside. Speak it on the outside. You just keep going. I am the healed of God. You keep going over this. Why? Because I need to renew my mind on it. I need to get myself into thinking another direction. Going another way. If you do it, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. How many of you would like to have a prosperous way? Isn't a prosperous way better than a non-prosperous way? We want to have a prosperous way. And then you will have good success. How many of us want to have good success? We went to school for what purpose? Success. We wanted to have success in a particular area. So getting education, getting schooling in that particular direction would help us. We apply ourselves at our job to have good success. He's telling you this is what you need to do if you want to have good success. And yet, how many Christians have done what he said in this verse? How many times have you, yourself, over the course of your years done this, where the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, day and night, day and night. That's a lot, isn't it? How many of you ever were thinking, that's not possible for me to, to meditate on that day and night. I mean, I've got to rest sometimes, I've got to sleep sometimes, right? Have you ever had a problem that was a really big problem, and it consumed your thoughts day and night? You'd wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking on it. You go to bed, you're thinking on it. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking on it. You go out through the day, you're thinking on it. You know what it is to meditate on something day and night. You can do it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You can take that out and hang that out there for yourself too. God is with you wherever you go. He will help you. It's important. We've got to retrain ourselves because our mind is trying to influence us. God is trying to influence us. Our mind is trying to influence us. And other people are trying to influence us. Who's going to win out? Which direction are you going to go? God wants us to go by way of the Spirit. And countless times in the Word of God, we saw that people, people men and women of God, were led by God to do something... When everyone around them said no. When there was pressure all the way around them. How many of you can think of Mary and the pressure that she felt? When, this, when the angel came to her and said, you're going to give birth to a child. It's going to be the Messiah. How many of you all know she felt some pressure from that? Her mind was doing some things with this. Joseph, the same way. These kind of things come in and they, they influence you. But you've got to be led by your spirit. So her words were great. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's what we've got to do. We've got to just submit ourselves to God and, and go with the way that, that he has. Well, let's go on. When this influence comes from others, and you all know that other people try and influence you, 
other people are trying to, to bring you along. When it comes from other people, and other people come up to you and say, Steve, I think you ought to, need, you, you ought to go this direction. I think you ought to do this. I don't think you ought to do that. I think you ought to do this. First off, first thing you got to do when someone else comes to you and brings you something is determine its source. Determine its source. Is that person listening to God? Or are they not? We'll look at, look at this in just a little, little bit. Determine first off its source. Is this from God? Well, what are the traits or things from God? What are the traits or things that comes from the other kingdom? If it comes from Satan's kingdom, there's going to be fear. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be false doctrine involved. Are these things there? Have you ever had other people try and influence you and fear pressure was a motivation? Maybe even guilt. Are these things that are traits of the kingdom? Then we can tell its source. If the source is wrong, it's probably not a good thing to, to, to be uh, going after. Determine its source. Secondly, determine its content. Determine its content. I put in parentheses after this too to help me out. This is the present. What does it have now? Determine its content. When this person brings this thing to you, what is in it? What is there? Does it, does it contain the Word of God? Does it contain promises of God? Are these things in the, the content? Does it contain fear, anxiety, worry, pressure, guilt, works, unbelief? Does it involve these things? If it involves these things, all right, the source is wrong, the content is wrong. Here's the third one. Determine its benefit. This is the future. What's the benefit of the thing? How many times have people shared something with you and there's no benefit to it? What is this going to do for you? Well, keep me from going this direction. Is that a direction that God told you to go? Yeah. That's not a good benefit then. What is the benefit of it? Well, people come up to you and they have gossip. You ever have people come up to you and they want to give you some gossip? What do you do with that? What benefit is it? What's the source? Is God gossip? Source is wrong then. Content. Anything good in there? No, not usually. Gossip doesn't usually have too much good content. What's the benefit? What's the future result? I'm probably going to have a hard time with this person. My relationship with them will be affected. Look at the benefit of it. When God comes to you with other people and he speaks things to you, Take a look at Paul. Paul, on the way to Damascus, gets saved. God sends a prophet to him. And the prophet is said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. How many know that's a benefit? Sure is, because it's a good thing to suffer for the name of God. It's a whole lot better than suffering for other stuff. I'm going to show him how many things he must. And he did. He suffered. But you all know his reward was great. God led him into a place where he had a very great reward. What's the benefit? Look at the thing and look at the, the long term. We do that all the time. Every time that you have gone on a job application, what are some of the things that you ask about? How much does it pay? I want to know how much I'm getting at the end of the week. Why? Because this is future benefit. What are the, uh, the, the, the health insurance benefits? What, what kind of a, how much vacation time do I get? We're looking to the, the future. What kind of benefit will this, this bring? What kind of uh, upward mobility is there? Is this kind of the end? Am I coming at the level I can't get any higher than this? Or am I able to get promoted? And you ask questions like this because you want to know what's the future benefit. 
But other people come along and hand you something on the spiritual level and we don't ask anything about it at all. We are more concerned with something like a natural job than we are with information that people feed us. What's the benefit of that thing? How is it going to help you? Again, here's our, here's our, our mind. We need to retrain our, we need to retrain our mind. Because our mind is a huge influence on our spirit man where we're going. And if you retrain that mind, you can put your spirit man in, chart, in charge. Look at it this way. We've all made decisions about exercise. We've made decisions about diets. We didn't like something about ourselves. Either we wanted to get bigger, we wanted to get smaller, we wanted to get more fit, we wanted, whatever it was we wanted to get. We wanted to get some place that we were not at now. And so we set ourselves on a path to get it, to achieve it. And we begin to go because we see the benefits of that direction. I see the benefit. If I continue to go this way, this is what it will yield me. We look at, you know, those people on the TV that advertise the CDs, the DVDs. You know, they're doing the exercise program, and by doing that exercise program, they got to look like that. Wow. In 30 days. And we're thinking, I can do this for 30 days. And sometimes, you know, we we made it through the whole 30 days, but we don't quite look like that. Something was wrong here. And sometimes, sometimes we get discouraged. We got the wrong benefit into our, into our thinking. But we change our behavior because I want this particular benefit. But it all involves sacrifice. You've got to not do something in order to do it. You've got to not eat something in order to eat something else. You know, instead of going to the McDonald's and the uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and the whatever else is out there that you might want to go out, you got to go over there and go to Salad Works or something else that, uh, or you're going home and make that homemade meal and put all kinds of healthy things into it. You got to make a choice. You got to go, but in the end, you feel like it's going to benefit you. And then you go on vacation and you have all the pizza that you want and all the waffle cones that you want. And all the fudge and all the caramel popcorn. And after a week of that, what happens? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, a friend of mine went on vacation and they came back and uh, they were they were doing good, losing some weight, losing the they wanted to lose some weight, they lost some weight, they got their weight down, went away on vacation, they came back and said, uh, gained ten pounds. Hmm. That's not what he wanted to do. Determine its source, determine its content, determine its benefit. What's in the future for it? What will it lead to? What will it go? Here's a scripture I want you to turn to. Mark chapter 8. Most times, folks, we're looking for instant gratification. And the leading of the Spirit is not about instant gratification. Most times we want things instantly. If we need a healing in our body, when do we want it? Now. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it now. But a lot of times, there are, there's, a, there's the things that God will do to lead us into a healthier lifestyle to help us out with some of those things. And we don't always like that. We like to do whatever it is we want to do to get us into a bad situation and then somebody just pray over us and it's all gone. doesn't always happen that way, does it? Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. 
Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, if you go over to um, Matthew's Gospel and you look at the passage in there, Jesus says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. The revelation came from the, from the Father in heaven. He was revealed and he picked up on it. He heard what other people were saying. What are other people saying? He's Elijah. He's one of the prophets. This is what other people are saying. He's got the other people coming in. How many other people telling you what the Bible's saying? Other people saying, well, my Aunt Sue, she, it didn't work that way for her. This is how it worked for her. And they're telling you. But what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? We've got to get into that. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven. And this is good because he picked up something in the Spirit and he spoke it out. Then after that, it said in verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He waited for that revelation to come to him. He waited for them to hear that. He wasn't going to tell them. He waited for that revelation to come to him. Many times, folks, in your life, God is waiting for you to get hold of a revelation in order for him to teach you the next step. But you're not getting the revelation. Oh, God, I need, to, I need to know this. Get the revelation. Get the, how do you get the revelation? You sit back there and you listen to it and you hear it. Was the revelation available for these other people who said John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets? It was out there. It was available. But they didn't take it. They, didn't re, they rejected it. They went in such a way that this is easier to believe. It's easier to believe that John the Baptist was resurrected from the dead and lives in Jesus than it was to believe that he was the Messiah. It's easier to believe that Elijah was resurrected from the dead and lives in Jesus than it was to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? It's easier just to believe that he's one of the prophets. He's just a good guy. So he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. This is the same guy who just heard from God. But when he turned around, he looked at his disciples he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. He looked at them too. They may have been thinking the same thing. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So what he do? He identified the source. The source of this is not God. The source of this that Peter utters is not from God. It is from Satan. The content of it is, does not contain the will of God. I know what the will of God is because I know what the will of God is that he sent me here for the purpose of dying on the cross for the people's sins. That is the will of God. You are bringing this along that does not line up with the will of God. So the source was wrong. The content was wrong. What about the future benefits? For you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. If he can get Jesus to be mindful of the things of men instead of the things of God, the future application would be he may not follow after the will of God. The devil's always looking after the future. He's very patient, very willing for all that. We need to retrain ourselves. See, here's the, here's the reason that this kind of a series is important for us, to discern the voice of God. Because when you are young and a Christian... Just like when you were young and your, your kids, when you were young as a kid or you were young and you have young children with you, 
when they are little, you don't sit down there and say, what would you like to eat for dinner? Because what will they say? Brownies, ice cream, whipped cream, cookies, milkshake, right? That's what they would say. That's what I would say. That's a kid. I'd say that sort of stuff. Yeah, give me, give me a Oreo cookies and a glass of milk. I'm fine. That's good. And, and, but as a, as a mom, even as a dad, but you know, mom usually gets this role. As a mom, what do you do then? No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you need to have some substantial food. You can have dessert, but you're going to have some substantial food. You first off put this into them, and uh, you lay the law down, don't you? You will not have cookies, brownies, ice cream, caramel syrup, whipped cream before dinner. That's the rule. You are going to lay the law down. Thou shalt not eat such things. <laughs> Is that right? You're going you're gonna to make sure. But you know that as your kids get older, they're going to buy cars, have jobs, have a bank account, and be able to go out to the store and buy their own ice cream, brownies, caramel syrup, Oreo cookies, and milk. And if they decide to, they may eat chocolate cookies, Oreo cookies, chocolate chips, every night for dinner. You can't lay the law down anymore. So what is your purpose? What is your role as a parent? To retrain them from thinking what their flesh says. Because you all know, if you sat down and had brownies, ice cream, caramel syrup, whipped cream, with nothing in your stomach, you don't feel so good about it afterwards. Kind of leaves a bad feeling in your stomach. It's okay to cap off the meal with a little bit of that, but eh, don't just make that the whole meal or you're going to feel sluggish later on. It's going to have an effect upon you. And so you raise them up and to do that, but you don't know eventually, because we all did it. Didn't we all go out there and we had it? I'm going to have dinner the way I'm on my own. I'm in my own apartment. I'm in my own dorm room. I'm not going to eat healthy. I'm going to eat. I'm going to go down to that dorm, to that uh, cafeteria line, and I'm going to eat junk. And you went down there and you ate junk and y'all know how you felt. Man, I did not feel good after eating that. I don't think I'm going to do that again. And you begin to, to go, but you found out the hard way by, by going that. See, when we raise people up, when we raise little children up into the ways of the world, into the ways of God, either of those things, we're training them to make good decisions. We're training them to make good decisions. When they're young, they don't make their own decisions. We make them for them. But as they get older, we begin to put more and more decisions on their, on their plate. And they needed to, to decide these things. And you can't decide for them anymore. We've got a lot of things that the church has tried to make laws about. When I was young, the church that we went to, they had a law about dancing. It was real simple. Thou shalt not. There was no, no different types of dancing. There wasn't any of that kind of stuff. And so I always had it drummed in me, thou shalt not dance. I had a tough time in gym class when we had to do square dancing. I had a real tough time. First off, I didn't like square dancing. And, and I didn't like dancing. Period. And we had to sit there and, and do that. And what made it worse was they reduced the amount of time we would play hockey by giving us square dancing. They cut the whole session in half. It used to be just all hockey, and then the session was cut in half, and we did half hockey, half square dancing. 
I was not happy about that. It's a bad decision. But that was the law in, our, in the church we grew up with. Thou shalt not dance. That's it. There was not certain kinds of dances. No, thou shalt not dance. That's it. Don't do it. But you know, when some kids, when they got to an age where they could go out there and get away from that, they decided that any kind of dancing was okay. And we're not saying that, that uh, any kind of dancing is wrong. I'm just trying to tell you that that was written in, in uh, it written out for me. I had to listen. I had to, to change it. I had to do something. When I, I decided, you know, we're just going to keep on going this way. But there were other, other uh, laws that were there. How many lived in a home? Thou shalt not drink alcoholic beverages. I lived in a home with that. Thou shalt not drink alcoholic beverages. I didn't want to drink alcoholic beverages, but that was the law. Thou shalt not drink alcoholic beverages. There were no alcoholic beverages allowed in our house. In fact, we, we would um, not go to a lot of weddings on my dad's side simply because they served alcoholic beverages there. And my dad didn't want us around it. And so we didn't go to those kind of things. So I, I was not around. I didn't, wasn't tempted with alcoholic beverages. I didn't think about alcoholic beverages. And as I got older, and I saw some of the folks that were around me, and they would uh, sneak alcoholic beverages, and they would do things to have fun. Well, uh, it stopped being a law for me that thou shalt not drink alcoholic beverages, and I would observe what they were doing. And I'd say, I'd see what they did when they got drunk. Uh, I wasn't there with them, but they would describe the things. I said, that doesn't sound like fun. So I determined on the inside of myself, I do not need alcohol to have fun. And I, to this day, don't drink alcoholic beverages, not because the Word of God teaches me thou shalt not, not because my church when I was growing up taught me thou shalt not, not because my parents taught me when I was growing up thou shalt not. I simply do it because I don't need that to have fun. I can enjoy life without it. Now, if we go over to to, uh, somebody's house and they have alcoholic beverages, I'm okay. I have no problem with that. I don't like them in my house. But I can go over to somebody else's house and I can sit there and that's fine. It's your house. That's all, that's all right to do that. Now, you make your, your, your own decision about that. It's not a thing. The Bible does not say thou shalt not drink. It does not say that. They did drink. In fact, Jesus even said the Son of Man came to you eating and drinking. He drank wine. That's up to you what you're going to do with that. But be led by your spirit. Don't be led by your, by your mind. Renew your mind on the Word of God. Because there's going to become a time and you're going to have to make some decisions on, on these things and what you're going to do. Drugs was the same way. You know, they were doing drugs and experimenting drugs. I didn't want drugs. I don't want to be around drugs. I didn't want to have the effect that drugs... I've never done a drug in my life. Not one single time. When we were in graduation, somebody, for some reason, got the idea to pass a joint around at our graduation. And it went right in front of me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not touching this thing. They offered it to me. You can have a little, you know, if you want. I don't, I don't need that to have fun. I don't need that. And uh, the guy who was sitting next to me, he took it and threw it. <laughs> he chucked it. He was a lot tougher than I was. If they wanted to beat him up, he'd probably take them. And uh, so that didn't, didn't happen. But these are the things you're going to make a decision on. When your kids are younger, you're going to make those decisions for them. But as they get older, they have to make that decision. You've got to retrain them on the Word of God so that the Word of God rises up on the inside of them and teaches them what to do. Because they're going to have opportunity. They're going to have opportunity to go out to strip joints. They're going to have opportunity to go out to places that uh, seedy type of behavior goes on. You're going to have to make a decision as to, to what you do in those kind of things. 
Sometimes peer pressure keeps us from doing things that we shouldn't do. Well, somebody might see me there. I don't want anybody to... I want to go there, but somebody might see me there. I don't want to have that to go on. It's got to be something that's down on the inside of you. He says, no, I don't need to go into those kind of places. They're going to do something to me that's, that's not good. And, uh, and, and you do that. When I was driving for a company, I was driving in neighborhoods where no one knew me. I'd drive by some of those places. The thought certainly would come in, well, you could go in there and find out what they're like. No one will know. <laughs> I didn't do it because I made a decision on the inside of myself. No, I don't need to do, go out there and do that. It, it's a decision on, on the inside of me. You can't keep imposing a law on other people their whole life. If they don't realize why they need to do it, then they're going to do their own thing. Jesus told the law back in the beginning. Don't eat of this tree. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. What did they do? They ate of the tree. You have the freedom to make any decision that you want to. But you will bear the consequences of it. Whether good or bad. Some consequences of some decisions are good. There's a benefit to them. It's all right. There's other consequences that are not so good. I put a statement in here. This is from Brother Hagin. I don't know if it's exactly ver- verbatim, but it's... Uh, I remember him saying stuff like this. The first step in being led by the Spirit of God is to become more aware of our own spirit. That's the first step. That's not the last. There's other steps to it. But the first one is you have to become aware that you have a soul, but you are a spirit. We are too often just mindful of our soul, our emotions our feelings and we do things very often because I feel like doing it I want to do it I desire to do it you look at a guy like Michael Phelps I remember Michael Phelps big swimmer I mean he spent so many hours in the pool guys probably waterlogged all the time probably had wrinkled fingers most of the day and uh, and he had his diet had to be altered I forget what his said his caloric intake was uh, 10,000 I knew it was higher. I knew what my caloric intake was when we were running cross country. And I knew, I said, wow, he's, his, he was twice what we were. And he had to get calories every single place that he could. And just, just drink and eat and swim. Drink and eat and swim. He, but he had to get himself to, to do that. How many of you would relish the idea of getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and jumping in a pool summer, winter, fall, and spring all the time? Getting in the pool again in the afternoon. Getting in the pool again in the evening. Swimming. Your muscles are sore. Your muscles ache. Your muscles are tired. And you get in the pool and you swim. When you're done swimming, you get in. You, you put yourself down. And do you know how hard it is to eat 10,000 calories in a day? It is difficult. I know how hard it was to eat 4,800. I was between 4,800 and 5,000 calories I had to eat per day. Just to keep the weight. Just so you didn't lose weight. I have no idea. I know that was a full-time job. I had always be thinking, almost always be thinking about food. Ten thousand, can you get ten thousand calories per day? Most people eat something like fifteen hundred to two thousand. So you take what you normally eat and uh, increase it that much. Five times, six times. Just think about what you ate for dinner last night. You have to eat that five times that. Just think about what you had for lunch yesterday. You could eat five times that. Think about what you had for breakfast. Five times that. 
Can you imagine doing that? Now, he did this year after year after year after year after year. And we looked at the glory that he got at the Olympics. Oh, it was good. And there's the benefit. But how many of y'all know that was years of training? Years of training. Long time. Going without things. Other people are going out, having fun. What's he going to do? Can't. I got to get in the pool. I got to swim. I got to lift weights. I got to eat. I got to swim. Constantly in there. Going at it. Going at it. This is what we need to do. We need to become mindful of our spirit man and be working it out. Putting it in. That's why we're going to go over some of these things for, for you. And putting your outline, many, most Christians operate on a flesh level of obedience to God. Laws, rules, do this, don't do that. We want someone to come on by. Can I do that? Can I not do that? We want rules and regulations. Give me rules and regulations. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. And that's all we want. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. That's our Christianity. It's religion. Thou shalt go to church on Sunday. Thou shalt not go to dance halls. Thou shalt listen to the, read the word during the week. Thou shalt not drink any type of alcohol. We want these kind of thou shalt rules. That's what we want. And you see, the, the, the problem with that is, if we get into, into the Christian life, and we start to see some benefit, and we're still doing some of those other things, we begin to think, huh, I shall not surely die in the day that I eat of the tree. I can apparently do a little bit of that and grow spiritually. Brother Hagin shared this with us, and I, I never forgot it from the day that he told it to us. He says, if you depend on anything, 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 he said, if you depend on anything, you will hinder the development of your spirit. He got to the point, we were in class, and I remember this real well because the dean came back the next day to clarify one of the points. He said, if you depend on an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning, you will hinder your spirit, the development of your spirit. Now, the dean came back the next day and he says, now, for all of you, that will not work as an excuse. Don't show up at the office and say, I didn't turn my alarm clock on because I didn't want to depend on it, therefore I was late. That will not work. He says, you set that alarm clock. <laughs> and the idea was, you said, if you're going to set that alarm clock for 6 a.m., you tell your spirit to wake you up at 5.55. So anyway, I started doing some of those things, developing some of those things. He said, if you depend on anything... Any type of food, any type of drink, any type of activity. If you depend, I have to have that. Don't, don't raise your hand. How many of you have said recently, I have to have that? If you depend on anything, it will hinder the development of your spirit. Well, the more I meditated on that, the more that I, I lived it, the more that I worked it, I found out, yeah, he was right. We've got to be careful. It's important that we understand how to move these things in the, in the spirit. Here's another thing for your outline. God wants us to grow to a spirit level in obedience to God. Whereas when the spirit of God comes up on the inside of you, he leads you and he guides you into doing some of the, the things that you need to do. Jesus was led into the homes of publicans and tax collectors to minister to them. And the Pharisees sit on the outside and they said, do you not know who you're associating with? He said, hey, it's the sick that need a doctor. Jesus was led to minister to the woman at the well. And she went in and brought the whole town out to here. But the law would have said, don't 
Don't have any dealings with her. She's a Samaritan. You've got to do this on a spirit level. Because the Spirit of God may lead you to do some things that your law may say don't do it. Jesus, how many times did he heal somebody on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees kept looking at him. Let's try and get him. He's going to heal this one on the Sabbath. And Jesus would say something that would just disarm them and they couldn't do it what they wanted to do. Put this in your outline for you too. We are not born again into this. We are led into it. Into a spirit level of obedience. We are led into this. You're not going to be born again. Born, you get born again into salvation. You get led into a spirit-dominated life. Why is it important that we have this spirit-dominated life? Because whatever it is that you are doing, if you can pick up on your spirit, don't do it now. Do it later. Go this direction. Change what you're going to do. You can be avoiding all kinds of problems. Jesus avoided problems in his ministry because he didn't go where the Spirit of God said don't go. I heard people in military. Uh, one one uh, uh, pastor was sharing stories of this uh, guy who's uh, in, the, in his church, but he was, in a, he was put on active duty and he was deployed. And the people in his uh, group had a great respect for him. He was a Christian. He was born again. He lived his life in such a way, feeding off the Word, doing things uh, with the Word, that they had confidence in him. And uh, they were supposed to go out and do a guard thing in a, in a certain direction. And they were all getting ready to go into the pile of the vehicles and to head on out there. And in his spirit, he said, don't go. Don't go. It's a, there's a trap out there. And so uh, because he had respect with the commanding officer that was there, he went up to him, the commanding officer and says, I'm getting this in my spirit that we shouldn't go. There's a, there's, a, there's a trap this time for us out there. We shouldn't go. And so the commander had a respect for him because of the way that he carried himself. He didn't just come out there and, and throw it. So they actually had uh, sent something out to kind of take a peek at what was there. Sure enough, they found a trap. It's all set up. If they would have just gone through the motions of what they were supposed to have done, they could have all been killed. But uh, that didn't happen. Now, you'll see that in the Bible. Samuel would tell the king, don't go this direction because they have a trap laid for you. And they would avoid the trap. King of Samaria was getting upset. How is it that the king of, of Israel already knows what we're going to do? God wants to lead you around. Don't just think that you can go on through there and quote Psalms 91. You can quote Psalm 91 all you want to. If you're in disobedience, you've, you've, uh, you've placed yourself outside of the cover of God. Listen to him. He will help you. He wants you to get things done. He'll lead you. In a, don't do that today. Don't go that direction today. Don't go to that store now. You don't know why. He's got a reason for it. And you just need to listen. But you see, it's discerning that voice. Every one of us has it. But we've got to discern that voice that comes up on the inside of us that would lead us. Because there's a lot of voices that are out there. And you can train yourself to hear it. You can train yourself to pick up on it. And save yourself a lot of time. Save yourself a lot of money. How many of you, if you knew that if you bought Microsoft stock when it was first offered... I, heard, I saw a, a stat on this that if you spent, I think it was um, uh, several thousand dollars of stock in Microsoft, that by now, this time, if you would have gotten it within the first startup time, by now that same stock would be worth a million dollars. That's a good little bit of increase, right? How many of you, if the Spirit of God would have come up on the inside of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been, been good. It would have been helpful. The Spirit of God wants to help you with that. He wants to help you with the people that you interact with. He wants to help you on your job. 
He wants to help you avoid the problems that might come. You've got to train ourselves to learn. And it's, it's, it's not impossible to do. You can do it. God wants you to do it. God wants you to get there. You have trained yourself to listen to your flesh. You've trained yourself to listen to your emotions. Now just learn to train yourself to listen to your, to your spirit man. Let your mind be renewed on the word of God. And you'll see something different. You'll see a, a different result. How many of y'all know what happens when you follow after your cravings as far as a diet is concerned? It's not good. You've got to have some control. Put some, some, how many of y'all know that your own cravings as far as exercise program, it's not good. What your body want to do? As little as possible. Let me work out by sitting out here on the couch. I'll lift the pillows. Right? Yeah, that's what we. It does. It doesn't want to have to be be worked. But the people who put the time in, the people who will work it, have a stronger spirit, can listen, can hear, they can avoid some things. We're going to begin to look at how the spirit of God talked to people, because it's not all angels, and voices. There's a lot of other ways that the spirit of God talks to people. And you need to know how he talks to you because if you don't know how he talks to you, you won't recognize it when you hear it. You've already heard the Spirit of God speaking to you, but you didn't know to recognize it. And so you let it go by. So we're going to look at some things. Uh, in fact, some people were led, and they, they didn't even feel that it was God. We're going to look at them too. We're going to see those things. It's important that we discern the voice of the Spirit of God. It's important that we understand what it's saying because it will help us give you a couple more examples just real quick how many have ever lost something in your house well, and spent an hour trying to find it maybe more what if you could just pray and ask God and up in the, your, your spirit would come the answer would that save you some time surely would wouldn't it yeah. how many have ever gotten done a thing that you did at the house the car whatever it might be and then after you got it all done you figured out oh there was so much easier way to do it than the way that I just did it. How about, wouldn't that be good to know ahead of time? These are things that the Spirit of God will lead you into. He's done it in the Bible. You're going to find out He's done it in the Bible. He helped people out. Simple things like that. An axe head wasn't missing. The Spirit of God helped them find it. He'll help you. He'll help you get it done. He'll get you to do things. Piece of cake. You'll flourish on your job because they'll give you something to do. You'll sit and you'll wait, hear from the voice of God. The voice of God will come up on the inside of you, however it is that he does. And you do it that way, and it's more successful, and it's less time, and your boss is amazed. Well, if you can do more in less time, then you become more valuable. And you can be paid more. It's all kinds of benefits. It's important to know. It's important for us to do. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to develop our spirit, to hear from you, to know that we have discerned the voice of God. <coughs> Father, you give us the help to do that. We look forward to the things we see in your word to help us develop our spirit, that we can hear from you and do the things the way you want. And you did this with people, Father, who were not perfect, who had problems, who were caught up in some things, working to get free. 
You, you, you spoke to them. You helped them. And Father, you do the same thing for us. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go here this morning, we want to take a look at some of the praise reports we have. If you didn't get your praise report in, you have some time, you can write it out. Ushers will, will bring a, a card over for you. Thank you. Amen. I love the ministry of the Holy Ghost. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about how He wants to be so involved in every aspect of our lives. I mean, He just desires that. That's what He's here on the earth to do, is to be involved in our lives. And I have a testimony of one gentleman who, remember Dick Smith? Mm-hmm. Um, how the Holy Spirit used to minister through him was in the area of stocks and investments. And the Lord used to, or the Holy Spirit would tell him, you know, I want you to invest a certain amount in this particular stock. And, you know, everybody around him would go, well, that stock is nothing. You're going to lose all your money. That's ridiculous. Don't do it. But he followed the voice of the Holy Ghost. So he invested the money in that stock. And then the Lord said, okay, now sell it. A week later, he profited $10,000. And the Lord would tell him, now take that and invest that here. And then sell it two weeks later. He would profit $50,000. It benefits us to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. In, in everything that we do, every area of our lives. I'm so grateful for it. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a praise report from Miss Gladys. She says, My brother Dan was having severe pain, <coughs> excuse me, possibly from kidney stones or the spread of his cancer. Um, they're standing on Psalm 103, 1 through 5. She says, All the ER reports were all negative, and he was sent home. He gave his life to Jesus in January this year. So I praise God for that, and we're going to continue to stand with him, that God mm-hmm. continues to develop his faith in these areas. Amen? Because he, he wants to grow. Ethel says she's thankful for the correction of God. <laughs> How many of us like to be corrected? It's, and she even says, well, it's not always comfortable. It does confirm his love for us and his care for us. Mm-hmm. Amen? And I just want to praise God for this. Um, last week we were away at the retreat. We got to spend some time with some old friends and got to meet some new friends. But for the wonderful teaching that we got while we were out there as well. Um, you know, I find it funny when you're in a room of 100 preachers, all they want to do is preach to each other. <laughs> we, we had a good, good time with that. But the teaching was wonderful and just spending some time away was great. And uh, God really administered to us some things that we can use here at our church um, to help, you know, help all of you as well. So thankful for that.